everyone. I'm Rachel Poli with Ari Meglin, and we're your hosts for the Merry Writer podcast. We're on episode 26, and this week's question is, what should you include in your author bio? Before we begin, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening so you never miss a show. And if you enjoy this episode, please give it a like. So your author bio is just what it sounds like. It's a brief about section of the writer. It seems like a simple thing to do, but it can be harder than you think and quite daunting, especially if you're a new writer. So first, let's talk about the importance of having an author bio. This is how you get recognized and show people who you are and what your work is all about. Your bio can be listed in many places, such as your blog, your book, and anywhere else that it fits. If you write guest articles, you can add your author bio to the end so readers know what you're all about and they'll know where to find you. I think that's it. I think we always think, yes, bios, they go on about pages, on blogs or websites. But you're right. A lot of writers now are putting like a mini bio in the book, like in the front cover or at the back of the book. So it is something you do need to think about. And we have talked about bios before, just very roughly in our episode about websites and how authors need websites. And if you missed that, go and watch it. And also, you need a website. That's that's the, the be all and end all of it is you need a website. Yes, please create a website. <laughs> Let people find your work. Exactly. And one of the main pages we always talk about is the author bio because it is that important. And one of the things people seem to forget, not only do you need an author bio, but you need to keep it updated. And that's something I've always found with, with people because I will always check author websites, whether it's a traditionally published author or a self-published author or an up-and-coming author. I love going on websites and I love reading about the writer themselves. But you'll be surprised at how many are not updated. So, for example, if you are an aspiring writer, by the way, I really hate that word. I always recommend to writers not to use aspiring. It's like if you write, you're a writer. If you're published, you're an author. So the word aspiring, not a big fan, but I know some people like it. So if you want to use it or you have used it, fine. But if you then get published, you should make sure you go in and remove aspiring writer and change that to author because that's what you are. If you publish a book and you list that in your bio that you were published on whatever year, that's great. But then if you publish another one, go back in and update it. It's really important to keep your bio up to date because it is the first page or at least one of the first pages that people will go to on your website. That's a really good point because I have seen so many author bios where they say, oh, my debut novel comes out spring 2020, for example. And, you know, well, right now it's October 2020. And if I checked that person's bio, it'll still say, oh, this book is coming soon. When, in fact, it's been out for months already. <laughs> I know. They really should. It's like you think you'd go in and change that. So at least it's a link. And it's like, you know, a link straight to go in and buy in it. But instead, yeah, they just forget. And it's like, so, so did it come out? Right. Exactly. But <laughs> It is kind of funny, though, because you do add your author bio in so many different places, such as probably various places on your website, because you should have an about page. But then also, if you have a book page, you can add your little author blurb on that page as well. If you do guest articles, it's inside your book, probably at the back, you have an about the author page, but then you also have it on the back cover of your book. And if you do interviews for your book or you have like a virtual blog tour or something, 
your your bio is in so many different spots that I I guess I can kind of understand why people forget. Like maybe they update their bio in certain spots, but they forget to check their Twitter or their Instagram or something. Which actually, that's another place you you add your author bio on your social media. And I will also say, if you do like a virtual blog tour for your book, it is kind of tricky to update your author bio later. If you're doing guest posts for somebody, then obviously you can't really update that because it's not your own website. You didn't technically write it. You could very well email that person and say, hey, a few things have changed. Would you mind updating this on that post? Uh, nine times out of 10, nobody's going to say no. Like most people will be more than happy to update it for you. That's a really good point about the fact that obviously you have a bio on like somebody else's website and depending on how many guest posts you do, that means you could have your bio on a lot of places. I think what I would recommend is your author bio that's on your website has to be more fluid that you can amend and you put specific details in. I think anything where you don't want to have to amend it, such as on a guest post, I think I would personally try and avoid putting something that becomes dated, like what you said, you know, this book is coming out at this time. If that was me, I would probably just have a bio that said, that said who I was, what I was doing, and I wouldn't put anything that would have to change. And the same goes for like Twitter or Facebook. There are only small amounts of space we have to put our bios. And I don't think they need to be that intense. And I know some people do use them to, to um, announce the books that's coming out. But I don't know, I don't, I don't think I'd want to constantly be going into every place to change it. I think having it on your website and, and monitoring that, because let's be honest, we're on our websites a lot and we, there's all sorts of things we have to update if we're doing blog posts, if we're adding new book information. So you're kind of already on there to update it. But yeah, I think anything where you're, the control's being taken away from you. So if you're on somebody's blog, if you're on somebody's podcast, I would make the bio simple and not requiring updating that's i think the best way of doing it otherwise as you said like uh, you'd end up having to chase people saying hi do you mind changing that thing and it could end up spiraling and you could end up missing some so yeah that's my thoughts that's my two pens when you create your author bio and you do decide to add links or something because obviously at the end of your bio you can say hey you can find me on my website here but that's kind of the beauty of having a website, I'm going to reiterate this again, have an author website. Instead of saying, hey, I just came out with this book, here's the Amazon link, you can say, I've written books, here's my website link, where you can find all of my books. Huh? See? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's it, yeah. And, and that's obviously, unless you change your website link, that stays. So... Right. You know, it's, uh, yeah, that, that's a much better way of doing it. You see, we always drive traffic to the website. Always, always. Yeah. So with that said, there are a few things that you should include in your author bio. First and foremost, when writing your author bio, you should include your name, whether you write under your real name or a pen name or you have initials, be sure to write it exactly how it looks on your books. Because then when people look up your books and they type in your author name in Google or on Amazon, it might not always appear as if they type it in incorrectly. Because there's so, there so many Rachels out there and stuff too. Like, 
you don't know how many other authors are going to have your name. So that's actually another thing. Google your author name before you come out with any books, because if somebody does happen to have the same name as you, try to rethink that so that way it's easier for people to find your books as opposed to that person's book. But anyway, another thing to include in your author bio is your title. Are you an author? Are you a content writer? Are you a blogger? And piggybacking off of what Ari said earlier, I don't really care for the term aspiring writer either. If you are not yet published, feel free to write aspiring author. That way you can go back and just delete the word aspiring and just have author. Or you can just simply say you're a writer and leave it at that. But no matter what you are, make sure to include what you write. If you're a creative writer or you're an author, what do you write? Is it mystery? Is it fantasy? If you're a content writer, what niches do you write under? Is it pets? Is it the writing craft? And finally, include your contact information and links to your website and social media. Have enough contact information so that people know where to find you so that they can learn more about you. The whole point of your author bio is to give just a quick, brief explanation of who you are, and if it entices people enough, they'll go to your website and learn more about you. Overall, your author bio is like an elevator pitch. I'm going to jump on to one of the points you said about adding the name. It sounds so obvious, and yet you will not believe how many times I've been on a website, especially websites that don't use the author name as the domain name. So you go onto the author bio and it's like, hi, I write fantasy, blah, blah. And it's like, and who are you? What is your name? If I need to reach out to you or I'd like to reach out to you, I would love to know who the heck you are. This, especially if you are not published and don't have any published works, you know, um, on your book page with a front cover that has a name on there. And if you're on WordPress, a lot of the bios connect to what's called Gravatar. And I had a massive rant about this years ago because I would find people would follow me or I'd, I'd leave comments and I would go to the Gravatar to find out more about them. Because again, they would use websites that had no name on it. And there was nothing, there was no name of who they were. And it's very hard to make connections to someone if you don't know their name. Now, obviously, if you use just initials, if it's like, you know, TB White, I don't know that's somebody, but then obviously, if you don't want to put your name is Tim, and you don't want to, you just want to put TB, that is fine. You don't have to give people your full, full name if you only use initials, but at least put those initials down. Tell us who you are. We need to know. We really need to know. Yeah. <laughs> you know how when you're walking by somebody on the street and you're like hey you it's still just as awkward to write an email or write a comment and just be like hi yeah <laughs> i hope this email finds you well <laughs> i have to admit I've, I've i've had awkward moments with people who just use initials if i don't know what their name is because i've if i've reached out for them to a guest post it's like hey BT, <laughs> yep. how are you? Because it seems really strange writing the whole, you know, BT Adams. Again, don't know if that's somebody, there you are. So, but obviously I understand why people wouldn't always want to put their full name. That's totally fine. But yes, tell us who the heck you are. We do need to know. And as Rachel said, it's really important to say what you write. 
yes, you're a writer, wonderful. But this is the place where we need to know if we're your target audience. Saying you write doesn't tell us anything. Saying you write horror makes us go, oh, oh I don't like horror. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna carry on. Saying that you write kids' books might go, oh, wow, I have kids. I would, I, by the way, I don't have kids. I have kids. I would love to read your stuff kind of thing. So it is important to be specific, not just to kind of like throw out random things. Sort of piggybacking off what Rachel said about what to include. The other thing is how to write it. Now, there's two main ways, which is third person or first person. Things just like a book. Using third person can remind people that you are serious about what you do. You don't usually use third person if you're a hobbyist, just saying. First person is more personal. So while it may not sound as professional, it does have a more conversational sense to it. It allows you to connect more with your readers uh, as if you are talking directly to them. It can be a bit difficult figuring out which one you want to do. So what I personally recommend is write two bios, one in first person, one in third person. You'll probably find that you write them differently because of the, the point of view. And then you can decide which one sounds more like you. Do you want to come across as more conversationalist? Do you want to come across as more authoritative? Figure out which one you want. My own bio is actually written in first person because I prefer that connectivity you get with readers. You know, it's like, hi, I'm a fancy author. Welcome to my website. Here's all the stuff I do. Hey, let's be friends kind of feel. Uh, I, am, I am professional in the sense that I, I'm treating this as a business. I do want to make money out of this. I do want to write more books. I want to be seen as a professional author. I don't want too much professionalism in my website to the point where I feel like I'm not connecting with readers. So that was my decision. And when I wrote the two bios, I really found that the third person just didn't, it didn't feel right for me. I find funny because I actually write mostly in third person in my novels, but hey, anyway. <laughs> and I wish we had this conversation years ago because I never thought to write multiple bios and then read them and see which one fit me better. I have actually um, <laughs> taken the long way around. I took the scenic route and I have written a bio and used it and then changed it and then changed it everywhere I could and used that for a little while. And then I changed it again. <laughs> <laughs> I started, my author bio started as first person. And even though my name was listed at the top of the article and I have my name listed as the signature, I still didn't find that people knew my name, which is kind of strange to me. I really don't know how people miss it, but people, people skim. So, you know, so when I changed it, I still kept it in first person, but I wrote it as my name is Rachel Poli. And I kept that for a little while, but something always felt off to me. I don't really know why it just didn't sound right. And, you know, long story short, now my bio is in third person. And even though I do like your, your reasoning behind the first person, the connectivity, and it's more personal, but mine is more professional. And I think out of all the different bios that I've had, that one fits the most. It just seems to make the most sense to me. Yeah, but it's the fact that you, you tried so many different ones. You may not have written two bios like side by side and then checked it. You tried different things and you, you could tell it wasn't right. And then when it was, it was like, that's it. Perfect. 
and that's what you need to do you can't it's like people will write a bio and i think that's it done it's like no because you'll change as you get older as you write different things you will change and i mean even I, i've written about three or four different bios i've always did first person but i have changed what I, what information i've added and, and the and things i want to say and how i want to come across so you will always sort of make changes and, and, and updates to it but yeah i think i think you're right i think when when you write the right bio in the right way it just goes ah perfect don't need to do anymore i'm happy with that for the time being yes exactly you grow as you get older and you do different work and things like that i mean this time last year my author bio didn't have podcaster as a title in it and now yeah. it does there we go because you because you updated it exactly <laughs> Now, is it updated everywhere? I don't know. <laughs> I think it is, but I'll probably find um, an older version of it somewhere at some point, probably like a year from now or something, and I'll realize, oh, crap, never changed that. <laughs> so, which is another reason why you should keep your author bio short and sweet, because when you do change it, you don't want to have to really edit it. You don't want to spend like a couple of hours changing every little nook and cranny of your author bio. You have to remember it's an elevator pitch. It's not supposed to be a novella. So an elevator pitch is just like, I don't know, two or three sentences, would you say? It can be less. Um, but the whole point of it is that if you're stuck in an elevator with somebody and they say, hey, what do you do? You can just rattle off your author bio. You can do it in first person if you're talking to somebody, because otherwise that'll just sound weird <laughs> if you start speaking <laughs> in third person to somebody. Uh, but the whole point is to convey your message by the time you get to the next floor. And if you can do that and entice them to take a look at your website or your work, then you've done your job well. I'm also going to throw a spanner in the works as well. <laughs> I, I like the idea of having two bios, um, the short elevator pitch one. For us, you'll actually find our elevator pitch bios in the description on Podbean or YouTube or wherever it is you're listening to this. And then on my website, I have a slightly longer one. I think it's like three paragraphs long. Now, I know people sometimes have a lot longer one. I agree with you. It should not be a novella. It should not be like pages and pages of information because who has time to read all that crap? But I like the idea of a really short bio so that you can use it for a guest post. You can use it for inside your book. You can use it. Um, you can, I said, you can have it on your website and then you can have a slightly longer one where you might go into a little bit more detail. The longer one will usually include just a few hobbies or things you do, like maybe where you live, whether you've got pets with one or two hobbies. And again, that's just to sort of connect to, re uh, to readers. So if you really love dogs and spend a lot of time at the beach, you might find that your readers are like, oh my God, I love dogs too. And I love the beach. And, you know, drinking pina coladas, and getting caught in the rain. <laughs> I'm not singing. <laughs> I think you should. <laughs> If you have like two bios, a short one and a slightly longer one, and I do mean slightly longer, we're not going for lots and lots of information, we're just going a little bit more information, you can put those in your media kit. Now, 
we'll discuss media kits in another episode, so I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but it just means that if your information is going to go onto different platforms that require different size bios, it's right there, they can just be grabbed. But as Rachel said, the shorter the better, really. You, you want to be clear and quick and concise. Who the heck you are, what the heck you do, why people should give a crap. That's it. It's quick, clean. That's what, we, that's what you're aiming for. <laughs> if you drivel on about what happened in your childhood or all the different places you've moved, I, I'm sure someone would be interested, but most people are there for a short time just to check who you are and what you do and what you write and, and, and maybe a little bit more about you. This is not your life story. Put that in a book. If you want someone to learn about that, put it in a book. Keep it out of your bio. With that said, I'm going to very roughly segue into a completely different thing. No, no. Uh, I'm going to segue into something else. People often say it's hard to write bios. It's like blurbs. To be fair, we find everything hard to write, don't we? Why are we writers? Seriously. Yeah, really. I don't know. But people are always like, well, what do I write? You know, do I include too much? Do I include too little? Here's some suggestions. Go to the websites of your favourite authors. Check out their about pages. You'll probably find some are done in third person, some are done in first, some are really short, some are really long. Maybe they've got two bios on one page, the short one and the long one. See the sort of information they share. What, what it does to you, do, do you feel connected? Do you feel impressed? Do you want to know more? Do they tell you everything you want to know? Check, out, check them out, see what they do, and then use that information that you've correlated and the data to say, well, how, how do I want to write mine? I really like this author's bio. Why do I really like that? I like the tone of the bio, so I'm going to write something similar in that sort of style. I'll do that. This person's got a very short bio and lots of pictures. I'll do that. So if you're not sure how to write a bio, check out other people's. Check out ours. Not that ours are great. <laughs> this is a plug to get you... This is a plug to get you on our website. <laughs> but Rachel yeah, it's a, com. That's R A C H E L P O L I dot com. <laughs> and mine is arimeglin.co.uk because I'm in the UK. And I'm not going to spell it because I'll probably spell my own name wrong, and that's just embarrassing. <laughs> but yeah, check out other people's websites to see what they do, see the sort of information. I mean, you could Google, you know, funniest or best bios and you'll get a list of ones up. And if you want to show your, if you're a comedy writer, show your humor. If you want, if you're a horror writer, put something creepy. You can do all sorts with a bio and it can really show your personality and your writing style. So just, you know, do it. You can even Google uh, author bio templates. Yes. A ton of stuff will come up. In the end, your author bio is you. It's however you think it fits yourself and your work. But also, as you said earlier, it is a good idea to have more than one bio because the bio on your Twitter profile is not going to be the same as your author bio on the back cover of your book. And that bio is not going to be the same as your about page on your website. And that's something else you can Google. You can Google like templates for your about page on your website, but ultimately that's all on you. People will try to tell you what you should include in your about page and stuff, but show your personality a little bit and write it however you think it should be written. And you can take little bits and pieces from your about page and you can turn that into an author bio. But also if you're an author, your bio is going to be totally different from 
if you're a content writer doing freelance work. So depending on the context of the bio and where you're placing it and what you want it to accomplish, that's kind of how you need to figure out what you should include in your bio. So for example, if you write a guest post on somebody else's website promoting your book, you would send them your author bio. But if you're doing a guest post just to boost your portfolio of content writing, you would send them an author bio that's catered more towards content writing. See what works best for you. It's always going to change as you grow as a writer. After however many minutes this episode is, to make a long story short, is an author bio important? Yes. You should include your name, contact information, website, social media links, what you write, and your title, such as author, content writer, etc. And it should also be short and sweet. But depending on where you're placing your author bio and what it's for, you can play around with the length a little bit. So we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Do let us know what else you would put in your author bio in the comments or on Twitter using the hashtag TheMerryWriterPodcast. If you want to get some extra content, head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash The Merry Writer Podcast. You can support our show for as little as $1 a month and can get extra bonus content, including mini episodes that sometimes end up being as long as a normal episode because we don't know when to stop talking. But anyway, tune in next week for another episode of The Merry Writer Podcast, where we ask all the right questions. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Felt Tip Pens. We love to color code. The music titled Inspired is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0.